I'm at the Red House with Hannah Gaskins Pabon. And thank you, by the way, for coming over here into of the course. woods. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, given that you and I don't know each other too well, let's yeah. go ahead and just start with a bit of a biography mm-hmm. of who you are. Uh, tell me where you're from and how you ended up here and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm originally from New York, um, but I moved here when I was pretty young, um, and I've moved, I live in Winston um, pretty much my whole childhood. Um, I went to college at UNC Wilmington, where I studied a lot of different things, but then ended up in the visual arts, um, and then after I graduated, I came back to Winston, um, more in the Ardmore area, which has been nice, because it's um big arts community, like a lot of artists there. Um, so I've been working there as an artist and as a preschool teacher. Um, yeah, that's my life now. I hear that, yeah. I've been finding myself hanging out in Ardmore a lot these days, and yeah. indeed, like it is, it's different. It's it's a real neighborhood, and it's mm-hmm. kind of attractive, and it's like a lot of, you know, a lot of younger people mixed in with other demographics. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of, like, good families, small families. Everything's pretty there, too, especially in, like, Halloween time. Mm. I feel like you're in Hocus Pocus or yeah, something. Yeah, that's really, really true. Yeah, yeah. Like, they do it up. They do it up. Yeah. yeah. What, how old were you when you said you left New York? Uh, I mean, I was young. I was, like, eight. Um, but we go like every summer because my um, my grandma lives there. Okay, you yeah. feel connected to New York. Yeah, I feel connected to New York, um, which is nice because it's awesome to have like family over there. Because the city is always a good opportunity. I, I mean, not for me really, I guess, but it feels nice to be like I could go there and see arts one day. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it is nice. I love I love New Yorkers. Um, so sometimes I miss that. Why you love New Yorkers? Um, people say they're very mean, but <laughs> and they are. <laughs> so is everybody. They're just blunt, and I think I love like their honest, like being. They're just really honestly being, and um, they can be really, really nice and friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it, since it is honest, it feels very genuine all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a real romance about New York. Yeah. Like a real spirit to it. And it's it's a unique place. And uh, yeah. one that I've gotten to spend a little, little bitty bit amount of time in. Yeah. That, you know, I've got to witness what it feels like. And it's so different. And it's so vast and big. And, and like, uh, and some of my, fa- you know, a lot of my favorite, like, comedians and musicians and stuff are from New York. Mm-hmm. I guess since you left it at a young age, I mean, like, do do you get to try to experience it ever as an artist when you are up there? Do you ever look at, at it through that lens? Not particularly. I'll go, if I do go to the city, I haven't been in a while because um, it's, I've heard that it hasn't been a safe of a place, but um, I'll make sure to go to, like, all the museums or galleries and stuff. But as an artist myself, um, I feel like I haven't really approached the city in that way. Mm. Um, It would be interesting to do. I have thought about the idea of moving up north or moving to a big city. And who knows, you know, like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. But um, I was told, I was reminded that, like, sometimes in those big cities, you can just get swallowed by 
everyone trying to be everything. Um, so I like I like being here and feeling like I can make a name for myself here and like branch out other places feeling like confident in myself as an artist, you know, in a smaller community. And it's not even that small of a community here, you know, it's 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 an okay size. Yeah. yeah. It's like larger than a teeny tiny town. But yeah. Yeah. It's a small city though for yeah. a city. It could, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh so uh, why, well before I ask you that I was going to uh let's talk about your, your so so have you have you lived here like you said you've grown up here and stuff but have mm-hmm. you pretty much lived here consistently the whole your whole life? Yeah, pretty much except for college. Yeah, same. Yeah. So uh so what do you think it was like did you go to Wilmington with any artistic experience or interest leading into it? Yeah, so I went to, well, in high school, I was super theater kid, uh, did all the shows, all the musicals, whatnot, and so um, I was really thinking that I wanted to continue in that path, um, because I did love it, and so Wilmington was like the, like, Wilmy Wood at the time, and doing all these films and stuff, I was like, well, you know, it'll be cool to be there, and like, see that happening. But then the year that I, of course, go to college, they um, it was shut down completely. Mm. Um, so it's fine. That didn't work out. Um, but, I mean, I don't think it was supposed to. Um, so I went in with the idea of following that path. Um, and after that, I just kind of, I stopped doing all of that. And I went towards, I thought I was going to be like a therapist um, so I went into psychology and like also education. Um, so all these different things. Um, but I didn't find as much joy in them as I found in, cause I would take some like, like visual arts class just cause you could take electives. And I was like, well, I've done that. I did that in high school. I didn't really, I felt like I wasn't really like that good in high school or anything. I just did them. So I was just continuing the path of doing it, and um, yeah, but then I just left everything else behind and kept doing that. Mm. So you did psychology, education, and art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now I actually do have a minor in psychology. Interesting. I don't use it for anything, but <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly very, it fed into what I do now. So, like, I have no regrets in taking those classes. I think they were so interesting. Uh, like, I think all the psych, like, I think everyone should take those um, those sort of classes. And at the time, I had wanted to be a therapist because I wanted to, like, help people, like, like find, like, like, I did therapy when I was really young. And it helped me kind of, like, come out of this really shy shell where I was just like a yes person and everything. And um, I remember my therapist making a huge impact in my life. She she like empowered me. So I knew that I wanted to help empower people mm. and help them find their voice. And um, I think a therapist takes a really certain person and I realized that I was not that person. But at the same time, I saw an avenue where my art could meet with that you know like I could create an art form that was empowering to subject matter empowering for people who look at it or you know like I 
I just said earlier that I'm not very good with words. So I think the visual arts can help people too who aren't good in words just kind of feel visually and emotionally. So so I think it all bled into each other. Um, so yeah. it worked. It worked out. Yeah, when you said what you're doing now, mm-hmm. I was thinking about education. That's what I thought you were referring to. But No, so I am a teacher too, so the education worked. Um, I, I would say more so because I took child psychology. I would say that worked more with my, like, where I'm at because I work in a Reggio Emilia school. And so it's, like, pre-K and it's based in this, like, um, yeah, it's a Reggio Emilia philosophy where... I don't know what that is. It's, like... It's so it's this whole philosophy built around like the idea that a child can like be in charge of their education. And so you are working and learning alongside the child and giving them resources to build upon their ideas. So um, it's really awesome because you're teaching children to pretty much love learning. Like, if they're in charge of their learning, they um, they use different resources, they create different ideas that might seem crazy, um, but it's their mind working. And at that age, they don't need all the correct answers to things. They just need to have their mind, like, rolling and working all the time. And so it's been really beautiful to watch how that philosophy, like... Um, the works you know um yeah yeah it's it's a whole big thing I didn't do a very good job describing it well you made it make sense to me okay perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's awesome I, I do love it there and it's nice too because we're very like it's a very arts-based um school because you're giving them supplies like oil pastels and watercolors and we'll work with clay and they're just finding out what these materials do, doing what they want with these materials. Um, So it's interesting. It's really interesting to see what they create um, all the time. Yeah, and I mean, that's like the the main complaint, I guess, I hear about the school system often is how, I mean, just how unrealistic, like it's, I think it's true, probably true. I don't know that, that it seems to train people from a very young age for like corporate life. Mm-hmm. and that it's, like, unrealistic to ask kids to sit still for, like, six hours at a yeah. time. They get, like, one break to express all their energy and stuff, mm-hmm. but then, like, for the majority of the time, they're asked to just, like, sit forward, pay attention yeah. to talking, mm-hmm. at, an, at like, all throughout young ages where they, they could care less about that, you know? Yeah, I think it's really sad how the public school... Um, is right now I think um it because yeah in our school we like <laughs> I try to get them to sit for like a morning meeting but then it's gonna be like five to ten ish minutes mm-hmm. and at at the age because they're four and five in my classroom I can't expect them to do more like I get it like I also want to go like we have these very cool lights in our room so they'll go play with the lights or play with the clay so um Yeah, and we're teaching them not to wonder things and just, like, do what they're told, believe what they're told. Um, And I think as you become an adult, all of a sudden you're supposed to start making your own decisions and questioning things, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, 
like, what, what? And so, <laughs> so we're teaching the kids to like go ahead and like, it's okay to have like different opinions from your best friend or something. And you know, like these opinions are just like, they're like four year old, five year old opinions, you know? Um, yeah. But it's cool. Is you you make you're helping them become very independent. Um, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's based in. Um, I, well, now that I'm on this spot, <laughs> I want to say it's Italy. It's a town in Italy, and like the whole community builds upon it. Like they will take the kids to, um, like the center of the town, and like people are shopping for food there, talking with the kids, and um, I've seen a lot of things on it, and it's incredible Mm. yeah very interesting yeah and so yeah i can definitely see how like your experience with child psychology could feed right into being very in the right position yeah well and then that and that like we're so into like social and emotional development Mm. so like yeah this like the psychology behind things and um like helping kids are like like if they're hitting like sometimes it's not just like oh they're hitting they're just being like a bad kid you know like usually there's a reason behind it something's going on and you can see like oh this happened because of this and so you like help the kid work through okay next time instead of you know responding in this way what are some other ways we can respond and then they come up with other ways and then the next time you'd be like okay remember you had these ways that you're gonna respond definitely um yeah so so there's a lot going on in those little minds. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, when you were saying that you thought that, you know, everyone could benefit from, you know, being exposed to psychology classes, mm-hmm. what makes you say that, I guess? What about the experience of that part of your education really spoke to you and you thought, was it like worthwhile, like you wish more people were in touch with it? Um... For a couple different reasons. I think it's like for adult psychology, it helps you see that there is so much going on with each individual person. I think we get so stuck in our own heads of our own lives. And um, yeah, it, it like helps open the door of like the beyond like what we physically see Mm. and what's going on mentally um and that a lot of people i mean psychology is is it can involve like involved disorders or not involved like it's it's a whole big world but it also helps to see all sorts of like like psychological disorders and like um how that's like it's more like more people have things than you would think and so it just, I think it helps give you a perspective to not assume things of people right away um, because you have no idea what's going on, what they're going through. And I think you can have your own experiences of figuring that out, but I think psychology helped me like see that. Mm. And then I did take the child psychology and I was like, uh, honestly, I thought like anyone who ever wants to become a parent, that that would be really good Mm. um, to take because you could see from an infant to like five years old there is an incredible amount of learning and soaking in at that point that um that i thought that was really important too yeah yeah good and i would it makes me very curious like i i've never been experienced i've never been exposed to what you're talking about like really Mm -hmm. an in-depth understanding of how we function at these ages and stuff and yeah 
Yeah, I could see. I see what you mean. Yeah, there's like every every, especially an infant. Like every month is a huge stride, and then as they get older, each year, like as my kids go from four to five, it is a huge difference. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it helps. I mean, if you're working in the, in the education field, it helps. But then if you're like a parent, I think um, it's nice to understand how what you're doing might affect the kids. Um, yeah, it's just a good mindful experience to take all those psych, um, the psych classes. Yeah. So given these three fields that you like did in school and stuff, mm-hmm. what do you see yourself like staying in education or do you see yourself pursuing art more or whatever, more singularly? Mm-hmm. Um, I... I love where I'm at currently, but, um, yeah, I do feel my calling more towards my arts. Um, it's nice to have like a steady job since, you know, you never know how a year in the art field will go. Um, but that is where my passion is and it takes a lot of time and effort. Um, which is why it's nice. I don't only have a part-time job because, if I had a full-time job, I don't think I'd be able to create like I'm creating. Yeah. Um, and even so now is like, there's just still not enough time. Um, so I think in the future I'll have to cross paths with letting go of education and following, um, the arts, which I'm like, I think that'll come in the right time. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a minute about this idea of empowerment. Mm-hmm. That sounded interesting to me. So, I guess how do you go about how do you how, how do you go about pursuing that as a part of your visual art? How do you put it in there? So my yeah, my art has a lot of like empowering subject matter. Um, I would say that my art is very um, especially right now a very like feminist art um so a lot of female empowerment um particularly in the like exhibition I have going on right now the imagery just I guess it's hard to describe without like the images but um but you'll see a lot of like strong female characters um whether they're like made up or in history um like I'll paint Frida Kahlo a lot because I find her empowering as a, like a female Latina artist. So I'm looking at empowering females of our past and present and trying to combine it and display it in my art. I will not only do the female empowerment, but I'm, I'm really like, it's hard to like put yourself in a box. Um, but anything going on in the world, um, like socially or, um, yeah, everything, I mean, everything is a social thing um, that affects me, like hits my emotional strings. I will bring that to my art and try to like, um, I'm not sure how to describe it, but ju- just try to display that to start creating like these, um, to, to bring to bring light and power to the subject matter. Um, so for example, like, um, there were all those forest fires in 2020. Um, well, I mean, there have been a lot after, but specifically in this time, it was in California. 
Um, I think that's the one that I took the image from. But that was, I mean, devastating to see all those images. There was like a vast amount of images online. And I saw one picture where the sky was like this orange and red color, this orange and red hue. And so I used that to make um, this one piece. To, so it's so like to put power behind the idea of the destruction going on like like not power behind that but like to to show it to show it to display it and to be like this is you know like this is the problem Mm -hmm. um so so I'm not sure like it's not all like empowering per se but um I tried to bring power and light to things that might be uncomfortable um yeah if yeah, yeah, sense. it does. It does. Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> what I'm hearing is like when you were talking about that, the, the fire, like when you that almost sounds like uh, the subject of a of like vi- of a victim or something. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. idea of a victim is like the opposite of power. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So, yeah. So like the earth is the victim in this. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, a lot of my like. So if it's un- uncomfortable. I like to, I mean, like, I don't know if it's uncomfortable. I don't think it's uncomfortable, (laughs) but people might think it's uncomfortable. Those images usually have to do with some sort of victimhood. Um, Like, I started this sort of painting process, painting themes, whatever you want to say, my last year of college, um, because then there, the whole time that you're working in the arts in college, they're or at my school, they were kind of like, okay, these are the stipulations to what the project is this time, this time, blah, 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 Go, keep going. But then your final semester, you're like, okay, you can do whatever you want. And it took me like half the semester to be like, I don't, what do you mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. You can't just drop me into the water. And so I started seeing, I was working in um, like a sexual assault awareness office And so I was inspired by that. And I had like my own personal story at that time that I was like, you know what, this is what, this is what I'm going to do. And so I took that to make these, uh, a few pieces, um, pretty much two came out of that, that like I still have. And so it was that whole idea of like victimhood and like bringing power to the subject matter that people don't talk about or don't like to talk about, um, mm. because we should talk about, it, you know? Um, so yeah, I like the, how you said the victim, cause it's either empowering images of women or maybe a little bit uncomfortable pictures that have to do with, yeah, like that. Yeah. Victim. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, like, I mean, that's like used in negative space, I guess, or something like it's when you use the opposite of power, mm-hmm. it seems like you're you're still you're showing the absence of power or yeah. the, where power you would expect power to be or different things. But it's mm-hmm. sounds like you play a lot with power dynamics or something yes. like that. Yeah, I'd say so. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun. Yeah, I'm sorry that went all over. <laughs> no, it's good. That's why that's Great. what we're here to talk about. That's good. Um, and I, I've looked at your stuff, and so it's got mm-hmm. this real what I've seen of it is a lot of realism, a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, just like, I don't know it, what I saw. I saw some stuff that almost looked like the, the iconic heaven images you see or whatever of, mm-hmm. I don't know what period, maybe 
maybe renaissance yeah stuff. i've got lately i've had some renaissance yeah mm. mm-hmm. uh yeah with like almost cloudy atmospheres and then like these characters almost erupting from bright mm-hmm. light or something very interesting stuff uh which i guess that was what i was going to ask like if these things are of a particular sort of tradition yes and no i lately i've been doing the renaissance idea uh, but before that i would have more i would say more surrealism mm. um and yeah i would say surrealism to renaissance and i like to play with both i did enjoy painting these i would say just two renaissance pieces lately um so i i love i love art history and um so diving into each different realm is awesome and i wanted to take i started with renaissance um recently because in renaissance it's very like very whitewashed um that's what they painted at the time you know and it was it was just the culture i guess and so we're missing all these paintings um like a people of color because it was so whitewashed. So I wanted to take a, a very classic Renaissance piece, which was the birth of Venus and put um, this, I, I can't take a full, I, well, I will say that I was inspired by this one Instagrammer. Um, I asked her permission to, she was amazing. Um, she's called Moon and Cheese and she has such beautiful pictures of motherhood and like um it during that time that I made that piece it was her breastfeeding journey and so to see like this incredibly strong like black mom with these two babies I was just like in awe in awe of her and so I asked permission to paint the piece of her as Venus in the birth of Venus um because it's a very like if you look it up it um like birth of venus is a beautiful painting um and the woman in the middle is a white woman with blonde hair and so um so i was just you know just playing with it and changed it and to to make it current and of the times of like the power behind i I named this piece immortal love because um venus is supposed to be the goddess of love and so to bring like a mother um i thought that just kind of matched in um and yeah, and to like kind of change these old paintings, which are beautiful, beautiful paintings, but playing with them to make them more contemporary of that, you know, all people of color are beautiful, you know, and should be painted. Um, so that's why I started with the Renaissance. And after that, I fell in love with like the Renaissance style because it's incredible. I mean, it's so detailed. Um, their fabric work, sculptures in the mm-hmm. Renaissance. Oh my gosh, like. I can't imagine, but um, so I've been playing with that some more, and um, I'll probably continue doing that too. Um, but I do love my like I love painting surrealist um, images as well. Yeah, I've been thinking about that actually uh, specifically lately, like that that style of sculpt. Mm-hmm. And unless I, I mean, I'm I'm not in a big city, obviously, and I'm not really aware of what goes on in that world, but. Mm-hmm. I only ever see like contemporary approaches to sculpture or, yeah. or, uh, I do see some native, more, more like native traditional things being practiced, but re- like realistic sculpting, I mm-hmm. don't see as much of in the cl- like classical world of art. I see some of it maybe in 
the use of wood. Mm-hmm. But again, that tends to be a different tradition. Yeah. Um, do you are you aware of any any sculpting that goes on of that sort these days? Um, honestly, not really. I'm not in the sculpting world. Mm. I tried to be in the sculpting world and that's not my gift no. um but i enjoy it i enjoy looking at all of it contemporary or you know um or not yeah so I, i'm not sure i can't tell you gotcha yeah gotcha well we'll find some if you find it yeah. let me know yeah <laughs> i'm for looking sure. for them. for sure <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i hear you though so uh, let me so the the identity it sounds like identity is a subject that you deal with some mm-hmm. and and you also mentioned Frida and you mentioned like being yeah. Latina and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what role does that, that play? And I guess uh, another way to ask that question is like, I've asked a few artists, have you, are you interested at all in kind of, uh, what is your, is your heritage Puerto Rican? Is that what I saw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are you interested at all in like working any Puerto Rican traditions into what you do? Yeah, so yeah, so I'm half Puerto Rican um, from my mom's side, which is the Pabon. Um, and for sure, I would like to start um, creating subject matter along that line. Because um, I don't, I mean, that's something I don't really see a lot of mm-hmm. either. Um, so, which I think, you know, I think there should be, obviously. And so, um, but since that is my background, I feel called that I need to start making work to reflect some of um, like a Puerto Rican style or um, subject matter. There's so many stories. I mean, you could do anything. And my, my grandpa was a musician. And so I'll probably start along those lines because it um, kind of runs back, like for me personally, runs back into, you know, my grandpa and how who he was as a person and he was his own artist and so like for me that's where my line of art like it goes down that pathway um let's talk a little about that yeah what what did he do so my grandpa was a musician um his band was called Tony Pabon y la protesta and he he made he I mean he made a lot of music he was in the Bronx and um, they, were, they were pretty popular. He was, um, he founded like Boogaloo. Um, and so, um, which is just, yeah, it was just red thing, very popular up north. He came from Puerto Rico, came to the Bronx. He, he has a super interesting life story. My mom is a writer and she <laughs> one day will hopefully write his story because it's incredible. He started out in a gang and he was just doing all these things that he should not have been doing. And one day everyone got arrested. And this is a story he tells, so I can't tell you if it's real or not. Um, well, he passed, so this is the story he used to tell. That he, um, they were like, there were cops everywhere or whatever. And he swam across this big lake or something. So he was like the only person who didn't get arrested. And so then he was like, okay, like time to change everything about my life. Mm. And so I think he went to like a pawn shop or something and there was a trumpet there. So he picked up playing trumpet. Um, 
yeah, I <laughs> I feel so bad if I'm telling this story wrong because my family will know I'm telling it wrong. <laughs> but this is it for me. Um, so he started playing trumpet, and um, and yeah, he started forming a band. And so he's mostly a trumpet player, but he'd make a lot of the music and he'd sing some songs if he was not happy with the singer or something. He's like, no, it has to be like this. Mm. Um, I mean, he was a singer too, but his passion was the trumpet. Um, yeah, but he's got he's got a lot of music out there, and um, it's awesome. It's awesome coming from that. I mean, that was uh, that was always a big deal for us because like not everybody knew him, but like in like I feel like in the Bronx or like you know the Puerto Rican families would kind of you know they would yeah. know him. Um, yeah, so it was awesome. It was awesome. He, and then after that, when he was done with his music, he became a pastor. So he like started so many he ended on so many different spectrums of what his life journey was um but yeah i love those stories uh yeah my my grandmother's from cuba oh yeah my mom's half cuban okay uh, so i'm quarter and uh i love any any latin cultural whatever like Mm -hmm. american dream stories and uh, one one way that that stands out to me in particular is one of my favorite Cuban comedians, Joey Diaz. Mm-hmm. Is, he grew up in the Bronx, and yeah. I swear to God, I'll bet he ended up. I, I, I bet those two dudes crossed paths. Oh, really? At yeah. Some point. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they did. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that too. Um, there's a lot of people that come from the Bronx. They, um, you know, um, you know Cardi B now. Uh-huh. Well, she she um, she sampled one of my grandpa's songs. You know her song, I Like It? I don't, I well, might. It was, a so- it was a song of the summer and like a few years back. It was him, he sings in the front too. And really? Yeah, I don't know, I know my grandma is probably living very <laughs> wealthy now, but my grandpa was always the one like, here, money, money, you know? And, and she's not like that. <laughs> Nobody knows what she's gotten from that, but it has to be, I mean, she has to be fine. Man, that yeah. is so cool. It was really cool. I mean, it was awesome because, like, and, like, he had passed before that. Um, so, like, I turn on the radio, and, like, it starts, the song, his song starts with him laughing, and it's such a, like, it's such a loud laugh. It's such his laugh, and so, like, you turn on the radio sometimes, and it would come on, and it starts with him laughing, and then kind of singing in, and then, you know, she adds in, but Man, it was really awesome. That has got to be a crazy thing for you it was it was it was crazy it was awesome um yeah it was just nice that's awesome uh i love that i really love that so so the puerto rican thing so like did he come from puerto rico to new york Mm -hmm. him and my grandma they were both from puerto rico and they both moved to new york not together but then they met in Mm -hmm. new york um and then my my mom was born in new york um and then so was I. So, yeah. yeah. Does your family, do you like, do you ever care about going to Puerto Rico and doing stuff like that? Do you ever go? Yeah, I I was always upset because um, my grandma would take my um, cousins or like my siblings. She would always take them. And then when I was born, she stopped doing that because she has a an apartment there. So she stopped doing that. And so finally she said that when I graduated college, that would be my gift. So I went when I graduated college and it was it was amazing. It was so hot. <laughs> I have never like I feel like my blood was like 
pushing out of my suit. It was incredibly hot, but it was still an awesome experience. It's beautiful there. The trees are beautiful. Um, she sold that apartment this year, though, so I'm not sure um, mm. how much I'll get to go again, but I'm sure. I'm sure in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's what I envy. Like, I wish that we had that kind of relationship with Cuba. And, yeah. And I guess we kind of, like, used to in a way. We didn't really ever, own, like, own Cuba in the same way. But mm-hmm. we, like, or, like, have dominion over or however you might say that. We didn't we didn't try to flex on them in the same way. There was this other kind of weird dependent relationship that we mm-hmm. had with Cuba. But that sort of got fucked with early on in the 20th century. But, mm-hmm. yeah. anywho, when... When my grandmother started having kids, mm-hmm. she could travel back and forth easily and her parents could travel back and forth yeah. easily. But when when stuff changed over there, then all that went out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks because it is nice to, especially when family comes yeah. from there. It's cool to see where everything comes from. Yeah, I really, I want to go. I don't know. I actually don't know at this moment if it's still the case that Americans can go to Cuba. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know if that changed, but yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, now would be a horrible time to go because they've been yeah. not dealing with the COVID stuff or the mm. communism stuff very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that in Puerto Rico, the, they just like they get hit a lot with all the natural weather. So uh, I don't. I don't even know if they're because um, I think the latest one was the Ian or something mm. hit them pretty hard too. Because um, we still have like we have family like great great aunts or something you know we have lots of people there um but yeah they have a hard time with that yeah this year more than ever i've been diving into like true traditional uh cuban art forms and stuff and Mm -hmm. like the symbolism Mm -hmm. within it and i've learned a little bit uh and it's it's really rich and it's really cool and and dark and african and like yeah got some cool stuff to it um i don't know much about about Puerto Rican stuff like can you can you is there anything you can tell me yeah off the I, bat? I don't know that I've really don't like taken a dive into art forms there um but there's definitely some like um there's well there's a lot of different heritage that came, that came there so like you were mentioning um in in Cuba but yeah you'll have like you'll have like I don't know, pretty much everything. Like you can have like all sorts of things in your blood, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, cause people just came from everywhere. But now as far as the art form, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Like for visual arts, uh, like I'll have to dive into that, which is what, you know, which is what I'm planning on doing. I, um, there's a lot of artwork. I forget his name, but there's an image, um, that is around a lot of, uh, I forget his name, but he was very, um, big for Puerto Ricans um, because he was like a man who would like protest certain things and like lead them in these protests um so you'll see a lot of like Puerto Rican artwork is of him mm. it's just him and my um my grandpa I think he he has a song about him too um which is why they like Tony Pavone y la protesta because like the protest um yeah which is which I like too, because I like to think that, like in a way, my art form is a protest. Um, so I feel like a connection there with my grandpa. Oh yeah. Um, which is not, which is not like the rest of my family. It was just my, just my grandpa. My mom, yeah, but like you know, my grandma is not like that. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting connection to him, I think. Um, 
That is yeah. cool. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Yeah, I like that connection. Um, but yeah, so I'm probably, that's like where I'm going to be journeying. Well, I can't say next. I have not I have bought, like this is what happens is that I have like all these ideas and then like what comes first. I don't know. I know. But I for sure want to dive into my heritage and um, displaying that. Um, yeah. I'm the same way. It's yeah. just like I, and it's, it's infuriating. It's almost like sabotaging myself. Like when I, when I try to work up the discipline and mm-hmm. fortitude to, to focus on one thing, all of a sudden I get like 40 really yeah. good ideas. Yep. And it's like, it's like my brain is keeping me from being too much in one place. And I, it's yeah. just like, it's super inconvenient sometimes. It is. It is. Especially when you're like painting and it takes a long time. And <laughs> so you're like, oh man, I really got to stick with one idea. <laughs> I've heard that about painters too. Yeah. 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 Um, well, we'll see. It's, it always works out fine. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. It's not really, yeah. but it'll be fine. I'm, I'm trying to explore now driving like fast like pedal to the metal into that to see if that makes me more productive Mm -hmm. like for a while I've been trying to plot my brain Mm -hmm. to be like I'm gonna plan my next creative moves to try to focus them on what matters but I'm thinking about just switching that and being like you know what I'll just try 15 things at once and see if I can do 15 things at once yeah I mean you never know yeah it might be how you work it might Um, be yeah because I I know artists take their like have five different five different canvases set up and like as one's drying mentally or physically drying you keep working you know um which could work i could do that if i had more space but (laughs) right now i can't do that way of living (laughs) yeah yeah um oh shoot what was i going so frida Uh uh-huh uh what's your relationship with frida yeah so i feel like frida um you always, I love Frida, and I feel like a lot of female artists do. I feel like a lot of everyone. I, I feel like everybody just loves Frida. No, mm-hmm. but I feel like she's a very popular image. Um, but I think rightfully so. I think that she has such a, like a, a hard life. Um, it's so interesting to like see all the struggles she went through, and she like painted those struggles. And she painted all sorts of amazing images. And um, it's painful to see her images when you think about her story and how she was like, you know, she got in like this car accident. She was physically in pain. She was in an abusive relationship. So, um, so yeah, I love how honest she is with her painting and how she always worked. Um, and also that she is like a female artist, especially in that time period, a female artist who really paved a way. Um, cause at that time, I mean, there were female artists, but there's not, they're, uh, they're not as popular as all the male artists. Um, so yeah, I feel like she really paved a way for, for female artists and especially like Latina artists. Um, now she's of the Mexican descent. Um, but you know, I still, you know, the Latina culture. Yeah. So I will paint her all the time. I have this thing with myself that, if a Frida sells, like, because I, I paint Frida and I'll try to sell, I try to sell all my paintings, obviously. Um, well, some people don't, so that's not obvious. Mm. But um, when a Frida sells, I have to paint another one. So You always like to have her in circulation? Yeah. She's very popular in this town. Yeah. Yeah, which I love. Frida, yeah, is probably, it, it, 
for a lot of people, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know what, how she, she became one of those artists that's unlike, like she's as recognizable, physically more recognizable probably than Picasso Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's like she's in, she's in the world of Mm -hmm. recognizable art. Yeah. Um, but because I guess because she did so many self portraits and stuff, and mm-hmm. she she made herself her own subject so often, maybe that adds to it a yeah. lot. Yeah, I think so. I think um, at a time like I almost felt like it was cliche to like Frida Kahlo, you know, because she was so recognizable. Everybody knows her. Everybody's doing her. Everybody's like you know, dressing up as you know. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the self portrait thing. She made herself known. Yeah, it's like here I am. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I pre- I appreciate that. You know, whoever appreciates her, I I love it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, trying to think. I mean, who else? Do you have any other artists? I, it sounds like she might really mean a lot to you, which makes a lot of um, makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Are there any other are there are there any other artists that are particularly in, uh, inspirational to you? Yeah. So there's an artist. Um, I want to say it's about the same time. I, I, uh, like, there's a body of female artists that were all in the 1900s um hannah hawk she i looked at her early in college and she like is a collage artist so she would merge like different pictures together um you know i, I like you've seen collage mm-hmm. i yes. do a little bit of collage yeah. sometimes so um i loved her work um and i feel like i started my surrealist stuff based off of her work because i would just take images like myself and then just cut them and merge them together but then i'd paint them Mm. um so like it's a surrealist vibe painting but it was all based on the hannah hawk collage ideas um um and then mary cassatt is a classic for me she paints she was an impressionist artist who paints um mother and child images Mm. and that I I don't know really who else was doing that at the time because people weren't really painting that especially like in their natural element like you know like like bathing the child in a sailboat or something and um so those are really beautiful paintings as well she does pastel too um oh I just forgot everybody else (laughs) Um, but yeah, um, Hannah Hawk, there's one, there's one, I forget her name, but she's got some incredible pieces too, but that, that dives into more of the surrealist art. Um, so even like, I don't say that I look a lot, a lot at Salvador Dali, but like, it makes sense. Like all that, like feeds into what I do too. Um, um, I did a Georgia O'Keeffe piece recently. Mm. Um, so like a close up of a flower and it's so, it's funny because I hate painting flowers <laughs> not because I think they're I love flowers <laughs> but they are so difficult to me because like I'll do a lot of portraits I do a lot of portraits and I don't find them that like they're not as challenging to me I think because I'm like there's two eyes there's a nose there's a mouth you know like I know what a face looks like I can paint a face but like a flower or even just like landscapes like I don't know how people do it because there's like these leaves here and then I'm looking at these leaves and then I'm like where did where was I looking with like I can't follow it I can't follow all the organic shapes um but I did the close-up of the leaf and I loved doing it so maybe it's just that close-up 
Um, you like doing the close-up of a leaf, but not a not, flower. Not a leaf, flower. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, I hate painting flowers, but I tried to paint a really close-up of the flower, like in a Georgia O'Keeffe style, and I really loved it. Hmm. So I'm not sure. Think you might explore that more? I'll definitely explore it more. I liked how it came out. Um, yeah, so I'll probably explore it more. I think there's like an element to it that, well, even with Georgia O'Keeffe, like, Sometimes they don't even look like flowers, you know, so it it becomes more like um like fleshy almost mm-hmm. um, yeah, so so I like that so I guess what is the road of success or what is the road of progression or the road of activity or whatever like what do you what are like uh i like I know what it is to be a musician and be like, okay, these are kind of sort of the steps forward for my career, but what does that look like for a painter mm-hmm. trying to like go like move on to new things yeah um <laughs> it's hard to say it's hard to say especially because I feel like um like I've just kind of started to i mean I haven't like I've been doing it for a little bit, but um for me, my road of success is to just keep doing it. Um, Because I think it's very easy to be like, I'm not like, you know, like I need a full-time job or something. And um, so for me, it's really just to keep painting. And I'm very fortunate right now that like each year more doors have opened for me. And um, it's not that like, I'm not trying to find the doors. I'm not, you know, like I am working on painting. Um, but a lot of times when you're in your element, you're not doing all the things to like show your stuff or like display that you are an artist. And cause you're literally, you know, like arting, painting or whatever. And so, um, I think as I keep working and painting and creating images, like doors are opening for, for like a very lucky that doors have been opening for me. Like people have um, supported him. So as people support it, I'm just going to keep working. Um, that sounds terrible because if other people don't support it, but <laughs> as long as it makes sense for me to keep doing it, um, I'm going to keep doing it. So I, I say there's no like clear line of success for me, but my clear line of success is really just to create and have people like see it, you know? Yeah. Um, so no, no financial success clear in the way I don't see, <laughs> but you know, um, but that's what it is to me. It's just, just keep doing it and hopefully people enjoy it. And I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's just the truth. Yeah. Nobody knows what'll happen, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in this weird time where it's all about career and it's all about popularity and sales and like, mm-hmm more than anything it's about numbers and followers and stuff and uh it's not a lot of times it's not truly about craft and it's not truly about just continuing to practice a skill practice Mm -hmm. a craft and it you know to a lot of purists or whatever you would think it should be and and anyway i think that as a measurement of success is a reasonable one and Mm -hmm. a more healthy one than a lot of us are like subscribing to at this point. I I find myself going back and forth with that of being like, I'm Mm -hmm. cool with a simple life of doing what I do and doing it locally and doing it like 
like on a normal scale yeah. versus do I want to do it on a national scale and am I willing to, to act a certain way to try to do it on a national scale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think um, it's really hard to feel success through, yeah, everything online. Um, uh, it, it's hard to, to judge yourself based on that because... Well, because it's easy to judge yourself based on that, um, and it's not healthy to judge yourself based on that. I definitely do enjoy like creating locally, and just want to just want to keep making body of work to show, to display. Um, and I would I would love to, you know, branch out wherever to display. Um, I mean, as long as somebody would like to display my work, you know, mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. Um, so I don't really need like, yeah, I don't need like a my success isn't measured by um, being super popular or like um, getting a lot of attention, which is hard to say too, because it feels good to be like everybody, you know, like people are like, you know, but um, it's not really about the quantity as much as like the quality. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I feel some quality support out there right now, so. Would you rather sell? <laughs> yeah. Would you rather sell like a a design to Target to be mass produced, and you would make, you know, twelve dollars off of any of them that sold, mm-hmm. or would you rather sell one painting for like a bunch of money? Uh, I think the I think the one painting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because um, I do I do create this art. Um, that is more of it's like I make it for like the Ardmore Art Walk and I love making it. Um, it's um, like line drawings and things like that. Um, but I have this hard thing of like balancing it of like creating these that like um, that I, I do enjoy making them and like, but also like I know that like my heart is in my paints too. Yeah. So um, in making like that like quality painting that can stand on its own you know um yeah so maybe the target thing because i'm because like i'd make a lot of the line drawings <laughs> which can be really tiring but i love i do i do enjoy it i enjoy it because it's a really nice break from the paintings yeah um because i love it i do but sometimes <laughs> i don't <laughs> um so yeah so it's nice to have that too um but I, you know, I know my heart is in my paintings, my oil paintings. Oil paintings. So mm-hmm. that's your, that's your main medium. Yeah, oils. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, there is a weird thing about commercialism when it combines with, uh, with art for some reason, and it's still icky for some reason. Yeah. And it's, it, like everything else is on, everything else is fine, and like the shameless promotion of oneself in social media is fine so long as it's singularly pointed at your own success but then if you like if you if for some reason if you are you two and you partner with apple Mm -hmm. to like get people to download your album or if you're a certain photographer that gets a deal with target or if your movie goes to target like all these things uh when commercialism gets wrapped up in it all of a sudden it turns icky to us for some reason yeah i think um well, and I don't know if you find yourself doing this, but um, like Target, for example, I love going to Target. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie here. Yeah. But um, 
it's supporting like lo- like local and uh-huh. like small businesses. I've really been trying to do that. I- I've been trying to do that to support, but also like environmentally, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I'm not super into the whole like big company collab sort of things. Yeah, but it also can get hard. Like I right yeah. now am in a place where I'm trying to more like be, be more selective, like like uh, but invest in more quality items that cost more money or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can only do that very very selectively though. Um, yeah, and I can't do it for everything. Like yeah. If I, you know, when I need, it depends, I guess. I re, like, I bought a, <laughs> I bought a metal spatula probably mm-hmm. like three years ago. Mm-hmm. I regret ever buying it. Yeah. It was a piece of shit uh-huh. that I got at like a uh, food lion or somewhere. Um, I would have been better off probably buying a more expensive, more quality one. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking of like really everyday ordinary items like that though yeah no 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 you know it's what I mean? hard yeah. like it's doing it a hundred percent is i don't know how to do that yeah but it's nice when you can do it it is like, okay well you know what i can like and it's probably gonna be more expensive yeah to do that what is like what do you go to target for oh i don't go for anything <laughs> i just <laughs> go um no but i i've my thing right now i've started with one thing is to try to not buy clothing at um those kinds of places mm-hmm. so i'm trying to do secondhand. yeah um so i'm just starting with that everything else i don't know i, don't know. I didn't even know this was a thing necessarily mm-hmm. like the didn't i never thought about the environmental pathway before it yeah. For, for all this before. And, and still, I don't, I very rarely ever put like an item of clothing in a trash bin. That almost never happens. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. usually going to go to Goodwill yeah. or a thrift store or some, something. Yeah. But when I had Max on here from Fancy Groceries, from your mm-hmm. neck of the woods, yeah. uh, that was like, I don't know, he started telling me about sort of the, the amount of water, the amount of effort it takes to like grow hemp compared to cotton and all this stuff and how all these clothes end up in the landfill eventually and how there's all these companies out there now that are recycling denim and recycling Mm -hmm. other materials. I didn't know what kind of movement there was, but he really was the person that that put the idea in my head that it's like, you know, not only worth it in the realm of quality and and the enjoyment you get from the thing, but also in the realm of the overall picture to invest in like better quality clothing mm-hmm. you know yeah no it's a huge deal i mean and it is very hard i there are some sites though there are some sites that, like you could do second um second hand but then like there are some sites really changing like even like levi jeans they're trying to do something um i look at this is like my guilty pleasure site like reformation it is so incredibly expensive so i buy when there's like a 70 percent off sale Uh because then it's like normal target prices you know yeah but they are so cool because they'll tell you what you saved um like when you're like oh in this purchase you saved how many gallons of water you saved blah 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 and so you could see that um now like i hope they're telling i believe they're telling the truth they're pretty big um like um clean site but that's why they're so expensive too you know because it takes, it's harder yeah. to do that. Um, yeah. 
But you yeah, can. I mean, with like the world physically falling apart, like oh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop buying clothes from Target, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but it is nicer. There's more of a. I feel. I I went to. Um, I love Design Archives downtown. I do too. Yeah. Uh, that is my store. And I took my mom there because I was like, I, it was for um, my gallery opening. I wanted to find a dress there because like, obviously like that's how I want to, you know, purchase things. And um, so then afterwards when we got the, some things, I was like, aren't you so like happy? Doesn't it feel better that you made like a, like a, like a clean decision today? You know, <laughs> you haven't hurt the world at all. Yeah, It does. Yeah. It feels better. And that it also gets tricky because it's nice to support loads of people. Mm-hmm. Target employs way more people. Walmart employs way more people yeah. than like a small thrift store can. That's true. And they have so much shit in place to do that. Like it, yeah. I think isn't Walmart the number one employer in the country? Mm-hmm. I think it might be. Uh, if it isn't, I apologize, but it, it does. It employs a lot of people. So it's, you're in this really tough position where it's like <sighs> target was made for a reason. It's like somebody behind target is trying to do something good. And one thing they were trying to do is make clothes more affordable by creating this giant yeah. box store and all this stuff. And it's like, you want that to exist. But I personally tend to gravitate more toward liking the experience of being like the person who made this. Like I went to Hudson's Hill this week. Mm-hmm. There's something really cool about going into a place, seeing the leather works shop in the back and being like, damn, like they bought materials, yeah. made it here, made it for the purpose of it being like lasting forever, mm-hmm. made it and said, if you buy this set a pair of jeans or this jacket here, like bring it back and we'll repair it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. There's something really cool about supporting that person's vision rather than this just blob mm-hmm. of a conglomeration of of corporate America or yeah. whatever. I think it might be easier to see as a person trying to pretty much create their own business, like as an artist creating their own business. Right. So you see somebody else doing that and you're like, keep doing it. Like, you know, like I support you. That's um, right. But you are right. Like, um, you know, it is hard because cause like, all these places like Target and Walmart do make those cheaper clothes for when you like, you know, because it's not everyone can afford to go on these like really clean sites, which I get too, yeah. which is why I usually just buy like secondhand because there you can find absolutely definitely like cheap things there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and people with kids, that's like a big one too. Yeah. It's like they, like yeah. people with kids who don't make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, see what happens. Like, totally. But like, for me personally, like, I know, like, this is a step I can take exactly, for yeah. the environment, and I I'm, feel good I'm, with yeah. that. Yeah, I, I'm in a similar boat. That's like the shift that I'm making now. So yeah, uh, you know, yeah, trying to like, and, and I mean, honestly, most clothes I buy, I almost never buy clothes. I usually get given clothes from some way mm-hmm. or another. Usually by magic, it just yeah, happens. Just they shows just, up on your doorstep. They just show up in my life. Uh, my friends are like, hey, I have a bunch of so designer clothes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it is awesome. It's uh, it's good. But yeah, um, it's a it's a cool world. And like I'm just now learning yeah. the serious craft that people put into like quality jeans, quality hemp shirts yeah. and materials and quality leather shit and just better quality stuff in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's the whole thing, too, is this quality because sometimes 
I can like I like to look for deals, you know. I'm an artist. I don't have money, you know. And a teacher, not money's not a thing. <laughs> so, um, so I always like to look for deals. But I, you know, I will make the exception because I know like okay, like these jeans are going to last me a lot longer than like going to Forever 21, you know, or something, you know. So Yeah. So sometimes it is worth it to spend the more money too. Yeah, back in like 2017 or something, I bought some suits at H and M, uh, and man, they literally were just like ripping yeah, at the seams. Yeah, they just fall apart. They just fall. Apart. I think they're getting worse. Too. I mean, I don't know because I have but like before I started like this new path, I'm like you know what, this is ter- like, why am I spending twenty dollars when it's gonna be like torn apart in the washing machine? You know? Yeah. You no. Know? In two years, you end up spending eighty dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah. Uh, so it's worth it in the long run. It is worth it in the long run, yeah. if possible. Yeah. And and making things. Do you um, do you make anything other than like painting stuff? Do you do you whatever? Do you? No. 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 I would love to, but um, well, I've tried. I have like all these like unfinished products of like um, trying to make earrings, trying to do the embroidery. Like mm. I I don't know, but like you know I paint i know i can paint so like that's what i've been sticking with but i would love to i say like in another life which maybe could be just farther down my life i would love to make clothes like i like fashion design i could watch things on it i can i enjoy it i love old clothes i love vintage things so if i knew how to do that Mm. i would also be going down that path Mm. interesting Yeah. yeah But I don't know how to do that, so I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> I'm looking for my thing right now. Uh, like I say, I I'm I'm so I'm I do music and I feel very at home in that world. Mm-hmm. I have tried visual art many times. Mm-hmm. I'm just plainly a bad photographer. <laughs> I'm a bad uh, painter. Like mm-hmm. painting is such a stressful attempt for me, and it doesn't come out good at all. Yeah. Um, I like to draw in ink. That's one thing that okay, people yeah. occasionally will compliment me for yeah. because it has a certain character to it. But aside from that, I mean, visual stuff isn't so much my thing, but I really would love to to mess with uh, playing with leather and playing, mm-hmm. playing. I mean, even clothing design seems fun. It's just more like I'd rather I, I, I'd rather find what I'm looking for, I think, than actually sit there and do it. But mm-hmm. I think I could sit there and play with leather. I would yeah. like to do stuff with leather, particularly I think I'd like to soon I'd like to explore maybe making journals because I use journals um, so much. That's cool. I think I have an idea in my head for what I think of as like the ideal journal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, leather such a nice, like tactile thing, too. The feeling of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like when I was younger. I did. I wanted to do like wood carvings and stuff. Oh yeah, I think those are really cool. That was part of why, because there's a cube. There's a Cuban practice for sculpting oh, wood. Yeah. yeah, and they use this particular really dark tree. I can't remember what it's mm-hmm. called, but it, it won't grow here. That was like I was gonna like try to grow a tree here and all this oh, stuff. Oh yeah, and yeah. The tree won't grow here, but uh, there are some gnarly, like real cool Cuban wood yeah. carvings. Yeah, I think those are awesome. I think I think carvings and sculptings, I could look at them for a while. So did you ever? You said you messed with sculpting. Did you mess with carving? 
No, mm-mm. And I didn't really do sculpting. I did, like, clay class, which, you know, like, so we were making pots and stuff. But um, yeah. I just was not my gift. Mm. Not at all. I we <laughs> I had to take a 3D class, <laughs> too, which, so we would do some wood things. Um, and that was immediately a no because we had to put, like, um, like a put our piece of wood on our table and like clamp it down you know and then use like this i don't i don't even know what it is anymore but like to cut it uh-huh. and i started cutting it and then it started getting really hard and i was like it's fine i've got it and i did it and it all fell and like a huge chunk of the table just i just cut through the table <laughs> so i was like i this is not for me and i was so scared because it was like freshman year so i was still like like really like timid you know and so i was so scared i didn't want to do i hid the piece in my book bag and i left and i emailed my professor later i was like i'm so sorry i still have the wood piece though to today man yeah that's great i didn't expect you to say that at all. yeah no it's the it, it's the story i believe that i i was told that the professor shares it every year um so yeah <laughs> And it was funny because, like, as I'm getting to senior year, people started finding out, like, in my classes, they started finding out, oh, you're the, like, woodcut girl. That's fantastic. Yeah. I just got this epic wood shop class table mm-hmm. that uh, was in my grandfather's building for a long time. And I just got it in my basement, and it, it's a massive, but it's it's so cool. It's just this old, old woodworking table. Yeah. Uh, and I... And, I've never explored woodworking as an art. I've explored, I've had to work with wood as Mm -hmm. a job, but Mm -hmm. I'm really curious. And I had a carver, like an expert wood carver on here. Mm -hmm. And I got, I like looked at his pieces and it's just, the things people do with wood are so like primitive and rough and beautiful. And like, like they look like they're just delicious looking. They're Mm -hmm. so spiritual in some kind of way or something yeah um yeah i would love to work with yeah. i'd love to work with I that i mean i think the raw element too like any like connection to nature you know yeah um so yeah it's nice not for me i am gonna try and make my own um um frames for my canvases though so i'll have to hit that path again maybe do it on a metal table yeah or something i'm uh. not sure I'm going to get some professional help first. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you told that story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I forget how we got on the subject of you being in wood shop class. Like you were asking what, um, what else I would do besides painting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you said jewelry and fashion and stuff, but you, but, I mean, I get it, you know, art, like oil painting is obviously something you're very good at. Yeah. Well, and then it takes, yeah, it's, it's so, takes so much of my time of my life. So I haven't had that opportunity really to explore it because I can't stop painting right now. Yeah. Um, Did you say that your aunt is a writer? No, I said my mom is. Your mom's my a mom writer. is. No, she's like a you know closet writer. And one day we hope to make a children's book together, though. Oh so man! So she can write it, and then I'll illustrate it. That is awesome. I think I like that. And it would be like, um, cause she's she's more in the field, so I couldn't say, but um, but she's always looking at children's books, cause she's a kindergarten teacher, mm. and she um, says there's just not as many 
that she thinks are good um, for like the like in the Latin culture. Um, so she wants to make a book based on all her like experiences and her family and stuff. So um, so f- you know more so for like like for the Hispanic community for everybody you know obviously but um but just to bring a little bit more light to stories like that yeah um so I hope so um she needs more time too though so yeah one day down the line that would be very cool though but uh, I mean I asked are you like are I asked so that I could ask the the side of language Mm-hmm. You you kind of made a comment as if that what that you didn't feel like that was one of your strengths, but did you mm-hmm. ever mess with writing of any kind? Yeah, so I do write sometimes. I write like poetry to inspire images mm. um, to use in my painting. Because sometimes, you know, like I will be so stuck. Sometimes the ideas come, and there's a million ideas, and then other times you have n- I have no ideas. And so I'll go to writing for that, too, because, um, I mean, any writing can be really um, have a lot of imagery, but I find poetry to be easier to flow into that. Um, so I'll write poems um, just, you know, for my paintings. Um, uh, but yeah, and then I love reading it, too. Like, um, I made a piece inspired by Amanda Gorman, um, who was the young poet when Biden was inaugurated. Um, she is incredible. I think she's a year younger than me, and she makes these poems with such imagery, such like I don't even know. But she's amazing. So I've made a piece based off of her, and then um, sometimes I'll read her stuff or um, or some older stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. There is this version of poetry, shapeless, sort of mm-hmm. in the realm of chaotic poetry or something that. It's, it's void of structure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I cannot access. I've tried and I've yeah. tried and I can't take it seriously at all. I admire it when I hear it from other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were talking about imagery and when you referred to her, that's what came to mind is like that version of yeah. it. To me, what feels like a maybe this is like some sort of uh, almost ideological bias or whatever, like a maybe there's a bias that exists in my anyway i think of it as a more like a like a part of the feminine power or something this version of this approach to structureless poetry Mm -hmm. and i find that i can sit down and just i can write structured poetry yeah with zero effort like with zero thought with almost zero uh sort of like fuel for creativity i can just write them like they're christmas cards Mm -hmm. or something but yeah that other thing I can't do. Yeah, I I don't know that mine would be like that. I think I know what you're talking about. Are you structured or like? I feel like they're a little bit more structured. Um, gotcha. And I'll enjoy reading those that are unstructured, but I'm not sure that I completely write like that. Mm. Um, you do like rhyming poetry? Do you do? Um, it depends. It depends. It's I do. I do love some rhyming poetry. So I think I try to. Um, yeah, because I think it's just easier for me to hear it and flow it if it's rhyming, you know? That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued by that because I, like, I don't, 
I don't see people ever do that anymore, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That's why I feel like it's very like like uh like almost amateur now to have rhyming poetry, you know. But I do yeah, I think I tend to do rhyming. I mean only I like for it. like the flow for me. Because sometimes if it is a little bit more abstracted, I I miss how the flow goes. Um I think I think Amanda Gorman does a good job of having some rhyme but also some without yet keeping that rhythm mm. um gotcha yeah. yeah i like the rhythm to it and yeah yeah so there's there are theories of art as you probably know that just like uh whatever like mat like the division of masculine and feminine and structure mm -hmm. and space and like uh, whatever like those things and that's what i mean by that like mm -hmm. i think of the structured as part of that discipline and uh and anyway yeah so for me for some reason i can just kind of write those structured like syllable based uh, rhyming poems mm -hmm. same as music i guess but music obviously has more dimensions to it so it takes more effort but the, yeah the poetry i can write almost with my eyes closed you yeah. know or, or with zero effort at all well and i think that's happening with music too it's less like grimy if that makes sense you know like i think a, like i don't know really like used to be but i feel like whenever i would think of music like each line would kind of like you know, flow with into the next, but it's a lot more abstracted now. Yeah. For a lot of people. Especially yeah. in different different forms of it, like yeah. in the more rhythm based ones. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. What kind of music are you into? Oh, I don't know. I'm into a lot of things. I like I love to listen to music. I'll listen to pretty much anything. Um but I, I used to say that part of why I went to to the arts as a major was because I hated those days that I was taking like, like super academic classes and like you were studying or, you know, I love to read, but like, even like if you're reading, like you can't hear, like I can't really play music if I'm doing that. But when I would do my arts class, I could listen to music. And like, for me, that was so important. Like I needed to be able to hear music all the time. Mm. But yeah, I, I can't tell you what I listen to. It would be anything. You like a lot of variety. Yeah. I like a lot of variety. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. I I don't listen to music as much as I used to. Uh, it's not as important to me for some reason these days to like keep up with whatever the most uh, recent releases are. Mm -hmm. Like it's di I'm different from that for some reason now. Well, and I I, I mean I'm th there's some really great things going on now, but I'm not as into. It. I feel like there's um I feel like things being released now are being released so quickly and with such this is just my personal view <laughs> but not as much effort you know like you feel like they didn't like yep. put like a lot of effort into the song because maybe they knew it would be like a hit or something and just make a lot of money that's so true yeah i feel like um we haven't really gotten a lot of music that's popular like you know um that you feel like wow like this took a lot of time, effort, soul, um, but that could just be what is getting played that I'm hearing. I think, you know, right when you walked in, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of that stuff, like where we are in the world. And, mm -hmm. and I think that is a symptom seriously of what, like the level that, that the, um, the impact that social media has had yeah. on, on the purity of art forms and, it's not like it has to be one way or another, you know, like 
everything we know now, everything we knew 50 years ago came about as a part of modernity at its time. Mm-hmm. You know, that didn't used to be possible. And then it was. Somebody, like if in the grand scope of things, you could have a conversation with Mozart mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, like people can record a, a piece of music that they just record with like two instruments yeah. and release it to everyone. And he'd be like, that's atrocious. Yeah. Like it takes it takes years to compose music and then to mm-hmm. teach it to a symphony. It's things evolve and I'm cool with them evolving, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it is a little bit like boring when people just can be like, "Eh, simple like here I just churned out a simple idea and like made it with my yeah. computer and like there's this weird fourth wall breaking thing and now oh god, there's this fourth wall breaking thing where you just sort of we're, you know, talking about TikTok too. And it's like, it's, it's very common for people to use TikTok to be like, reveal, reveal how they do things. And mm-hmm. so there's no mystery really much about yeah. when you experience a piece of music. And sometimes that's a bummer. I, I really love music. Like that, that sometimes when I listen to it, I think like, I don't really know how they made this. Like it's so, yeah. there's sounds going on that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, sorry to punctuate. Uh, now there's a thing where you, you just so obviously use social media to engage people in what you're doing, mm-hmm. which is a lie. Mm-hmm. Like, in, what you're what you're showing to people is on TikTok. You can do at me, yeah, or you can yeah. reply to me. Mm-hmm. So what we're gonna do is play the audio from my track mm-hmm. with the vocals and stuff in it that I own the audio to, I'm going to point to you when it's your turn to sing. Yeah, yeah. What you're actually doing though, is just circulating your audio. content. Yeah. It's a, it's just like a lie. Yeah. It's just a manipulation of the game to create the sensation that you're like including people in what you're doing, but actually what you're doing is charging up your numbers. Well, the other thing that I thought too, is that sometimes it feels like some of these new songs coming out are created for t- like their tiktok sounds almost and so i'm like well did you just want people to use like 10 seconds of this song is that like yeah like, and i mean again i could be wrong but um but yeah it feels like we're creating for more of that cycle yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, and the mystery too like that's what um like with my art i have a really hard time like if um each piece for me, I have my own like personal view of what it is and what's the story, but I don't, I personally don't really like to share that mm-hmm. because I don't want to take away that mystery of how, what it means to you or what you think is going on. Um, I mean, I do like, I love to have a dialogue about it, but, but it's also hard to have that fine line of like not oversharing it because you want it to be everyone else like you want it it's not my just mine anymore like when i put in the world it's yours it's everyone's you yeah know? absolutely um yeah yeah and and um, yes i've had a few people uh in that seat talk about mm-hmm. that very thing and yeah. how they they like to maintain that and i like to maintain that to a degree i i have failed at maintaining that sometimes i think i've felt yeah. a pressure sometimes to do the opposite but really I'd prefer to do that. I'd prefer to keep at least some level of yeah. distance, even and if I mean, let them in a little. Yeah, you know? it's hard to keep it fully, yeah. especially because people are curious. Like, I'd be curious about well, other people's things. When I was like 
17, I remember memories of, of playing songs for like my sister and her husband and stuff. And Mm -hmm. for me, I felt this need to explain the genius of all of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like revealing all that is almost actually like an immature thing. I feel like it's a, it's this weird thing where you're trying to control the way people perceive it instead of just like releasing it to be perceived as it will be. I think there's a maturity about letting it be perceived as it will be. Yeah, because it could put it in a box. That like reminds me of what I was trying to explain too with the with the pre-K is that we like if they ask like, oh, how does a flower grow? I I don't tell them. We talk about it. They have ideas, but then we see their friends' ideas. Like 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 recently they're talking about gravity. No, I'm not going to explain gravity to them. Um, not because they can't handle it. I mean, they can. But their ideas were so vast. And so, like, it's not about gravity at this point. It's about the fact that they're thinking beyond any sort of box of mm. an answer. Yeah. You know? So so that's why we don't specifically tell them, oh, well, this is gravity. This is how a plant grows. It's because they're having their ideas. Their friends are having their ideas. They're collaborating, creating new ideas. And that's what we're trying to do, you know. It's not about an answer, you know. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I don't like what we're doing. Like, it, I think at least in previous forms of the progression of music, as it, there's a fascinating TED Talk out there about the evolution of music and about how it arguably, arguably the way that we construct music has changed with where we consume it. Mm-hmm. So back when people mostly consumed music in cathedrals, music was like, mm-hmm. it was like these yeah. long notes that mm-hmm. did a really good job of traveling in these spaces and echoing. Mm-hmm. And over time that shifted over time that shifted to where now it's like the frequencies that you hear in your car is basically a lot of treble and a lot of bass. Mm-hmm. And so that's what songs really are now. It's like a lot of, a lot of bass and a lot of uh, all the other stuff goes right there on on top, like just above the middle. Yeah. Frequency wise, all of that is probably true, mm-hmm. and it's and and what I I think I notice is the difference is that all of that consisted of people listening to music, people being on the receiving end of music. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's like that isn't. That isn't the point. It isn't the point about receiving the work. The point is receive it. The point is racking up currency associated with the work. And so people like what we were talking about, like if people, if what they're actually doing is secretly circulating, basically Mm -hmm. a barcode that's associated with their song, the work isn't being received. The work Mm -hmm. is just being circulated as if it is a form of money. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. I kind of yeah. don't want to participate in that. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. So I'm, I, but I don't really know what to do because that seems to be the way the industry is yeah. shifting. Well, yeah, it's huge like that. I think it's hard for smaller artists and people creating when they're not doing that because then you're just going to get swallowed up by the people who are doing that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just frustrating, but. I don't know how I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like the golden age ran out in like 2015. I feel like, I feel like if you were an artist, if you were like doing big things before then, 
you're probably really happy right now, but that's like, I don't know. Shit just feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's still space. I mean, there's still space to create, but when you're going into those worlds. Fair. Yes. Yeah. I, I guess that comment really applies more to like the, the national and international yeah. levels of the industry. Yeah. And that's not really fair because like in our community, all sorts of cool things are happening. Yeah. They're like just yeah. now starting to mm-hmm. flower, I feel like. Uh, and I think that's really great, you know. I, I agree, yeah. But, yeah, it definitely can be frustrating when you go into the world beyond. And it's just, you don't know how to live it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, why don't you, if you will, tell me about this show that you recently did this month mm-hmm. and uh, whatever else you might want to tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I opened a show. It's my first solo show, so um, I feel really great about that. Um, the body of work can be seen at uh, a house in Old Salem called Mansion on Main. It has an Instagram, too. And um, it's all by appointment right now um, to see the work. But, um, but yeah, I'm really proud of this body of work. There's a lot of empowering images like we've talked about. Um, and it'll be up through the holidays um so yeah yeah we opened it um, october 7th i think it's a lovely night it was a lovely opening um so i hope to just keep i hope to just keep showing it um because i'm proud of it and um yeah what i have um now i'm creating for the ardmore art walk um which is so fun Mm. um which is like the first week in november um when is that first weekend in november i think it's november 4th or 5th it's a Saturday. No, I'm currently still creating. I see. I was on uh, creating for all for the solo show, and instead of a break like I normally give myself, now I'm still going. Um, so yeah, so that'll be my next thing, and then after that, I'll keep working on my next body of work, um, which which in my head is gonna be like um, some female images that people misread. Um, I'm excited about it. I only have one piece in my head right now, but I know that it will trickle out. Um, so whatever that is, we'll be next. I have to just ask one question real quick. Yeah. When you say, when you, when you are going into a work like this, Uh do you have a finished piece in your head or just, what does that look like? Yeah. So like, um, for that next body, I'm starting with one piece that I got an idea for, and I have the finished work in my head right now, but I still have to, like, take my reference images for it, so in my head it's something, but how it's going to, like, physically come out, I'm not sure, but the idea is okay. there, it's ready to be made, um, and then hopefully once that one's made, it'll bleed into another one to make it a full body. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was just curious about that. Yeah. Well, uh, Hannah, thank you for thank you for like whatever uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having this all over the place conversation yeah, with me. We lots of things. Yeah, we talked about a lot of things. Um, well, I look forward to. I, I hope I get to see some of your work in person yeah. before too long. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, maybe I'll try to catch you at the art walk. I wish. So I think this uh, podcast will come out like the day after that. And I've I've That's had this. Yeah. I've been having this horrible habit of that. I've been like. Like catching people right as something monumental well, yeah. is going on, and then barely missing. No, that's it okay. Time, I mean, my the gal the gallery stuff is really important to me, so that's gonna be up. Cool. Through the holidays, so that's good. Good. Yeah. Well, 
uh, whatever I can do to help. I, I probably can't do much more than you can do, but we'll, uh, we'll for the podcast, <laughs> we'll still at least put some stuff out yeah. there. So. Yeah. Every little bit helps. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Cool. Well, all right. Uh, I guess we'll call it a day, but thank you again. Thank you. Yeah. So fun. Okay. Okay. <laughs>